Good morning. Our text this morning is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Uh, there is an excerpt of this passage in your bulletin. There are also pew Bibles in the pew in front of you. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered in each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby swat, wrapped, excuse me, wrapped in a swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds were told. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Our text this morning is, is about God fulfilling his promises. And I think we all know what it means to have promises kept. I remember when I was a kid, a teenager, growing up in New Hampshire, my dad um, and his family owned a farm, and um, my dad owned a construction company. And as, a, so, as, to, so, excuse me, as soon as I was able to reach the pedals of whatever vehicle uh, needed to be driven on the farm, I got to do it. I got to drive the tractors. I got to drive, you know, um, my dad's pickup trucks. I got to drive my dad's backhoe, you know, whenever I, I could and as, as soon as I could. And so I was confident in my ability to drive. And so when I was about 15 years old, I didn't want to wait to drive anymore on the road. I wanted to drive as soon as I could. So I would, I would bother my dad, Dad, let me drive home from the farm. It's only a mile and a half, and we lived in a town that rarely had one police car on patrol. And th- that, those police cars would never pull my dad over because they just, my dad never did anything that needed to get pulled over for. So uh, it was not really a big risk of getting in trouble, but my dad said, no, you know, it's, not, it's not legal, you can't do it, you have to wait. And he made a promise that the day when I turned 15 and a half, which is when uh, 
you can drive with parents in the car in New Hampshire, at least when I was a kid, he would take me out driving. So that day came, and he woke me up at like 6.30 in the morning, and he said, let's go, we're going for a drive. <laughs> okay, didn't need to get up at 6.30, but <laughs> we went and we drove. In my town, I grew up in New Hampshire on the coast, and so we drove along the coastal highway as long as we could. We stopped and got Dunkin' Donuts. We got back in the car and drove home. And my dad then turned around and went right up again with my twin sister, who also was 15 and a half. And that's a fond memory of, that I have. And I can't wait to do that with my own son. But really, it is a, it's a, one of the things that's fond about it, so fond, I remember so fondly about it, is that my dad kept his promise. He could have said, you know, I got to go do something at the farm. Um, I've got to go, work on a, go do some work at a job site. He could have had any reason why he couldn't have done it that day, but he kept his word, and he woke me up as soon as he could for us to go driving. And that was, it, like I said, it's one of my fondest memories. Um, and it, part of it is because God kept, uh, my dad kept his promises. And that's what our text is about this morning. And so when we, as we go through this text, I want you to be thinking about promises kept. We all hopefully have had at least one promise in our life kept by someone who's loved us. Um, and this is, is what God is doing here in Luke chapter 2. He's, he's keeping his promises. And so our three points this morning are, are this. First, Jesus is the promised one. Jesus, second is Jesus is the good shepherd. And third, Jesus is the last savior. If you noticed, as we were reading in uh, the first seven verses, Luke spends a lot of time talking about how Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem, and that they weren't there to start off with. They were in Nazareth. There was a census in the, of the Roman world, and Joseph and Mary had to travel back to Bethlehem to be registered within Joseph's family as part of um, the line of David. But why does he put so much emphasis on the location of Jesus' birth? A lot of people have tried to explain this and have given reasons as to, to why. But the, the, it really is because the Messiah couldn't be born just in any town in, in Israel. The, the Messiah, according to God's word, had to be born in a specific place, Bethlehem. Micah Chapter 5, verse 2 tells us this. It says, But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphra, I don't know how to say that word, <laughs> who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. This, the Messiah who God had promised from of old, from the ancient of days, had to come from from Bethlehem. So Luke's purpose in emphasizing the location of his birth was that God is fulfilling, he's starting to fulfill his promises. This promise that he had made of the coming Messiah was beginning to be fulfilled. He also emphasizes that, that this child is of the house of David. And that's because the Messiah can't be from any house in Israel, but only the house of David. We see this in 2 Samuel, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verses 12. 
When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, this is talking about Solomon. But David continues, and in verse 16, he says, uh, excuse me, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The coming Messiah who would rule over Israel once and for all and forever had to be from the house of David. So Luke, as he is he wants to do is, is making sure that we are understanding who Jesus is and what he has come to be. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah. He's from the house of David. He's being born in Bethlehem. And we can know with certainty he is who he says he is. So Jesus is the promised one from of old, from ancient of days. Luke's not the only one that wants to make this clear. As we move on in our passage, the angels also, in their message to the shepherds, need to make this clear as well. Their message is similar, that the promised one is also this child who is being born in Bethlehem is also the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Luke, in verses 8 through 14, Luke tells us about the angel of the Lord appearing to the shepherds out in the fields. And the angel's message is also focused on how the promises of God are being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. A lot of people have tried to explain why it is God chose to reveal this news to the shepherds out in the fields. It seems kind of strange. These shepherds were out in the middle of the fields watching their flock. Why did God reveal this message, this good news to them first? Why were they the first humans outside of Jesus' immediate family to know, be told about Jesus' birth? And a lot of people have, have given some ideas. Luke doesn't tell us why, so a lot of it is, is speculation. But a lot of people have said it's because of their lowly, um, humble means of life and station in society. Uh, shepherds, you know, they, were, they, they worked hard, um, but they spent a lot of time out in the middle of the fields with, with sheep, guarding them and, and leading them and feeding them. Um, they didn't have a lot of interaction within the, you know, the greater community because they were busy working hard providing for their families. Um, other people have tried to say that it's because uh, shepherds were of lesser character, um, more sinful than, say, the religious elite, and they were looked down upon. And so Jesus came and revealed this. This news was revealed to them of Jesus' coming because Jesus, he, they are the ones that Jesus came to save, the, those who are the sinners, the, those of who the religious, religious elite looked down upon. And, and whether those are the actual reasons why or not, I, I'm not sure. Um, but I think we miss something if we focus too much on um, why it is that God chose to reveal this message to the shepherds, we can get lost in those reasons. I think what's more important is to focus on the beautiful, unique connection that these shepherds have with Jesus, their Savior. Who, is, who, who are these shepherds? 
These shepherds are men who are tasked with three things specifically. Their job is to, to protect, to provide, and to lead these sheep. They have, that's their, those are their responsibilities. They protect them from predators. They provide a place for them to, to graze and to get food. And they lead them in and out from their, their pastures. And that's what they do. And that is what Jesus, our Savior, has come to do. He has come to protect us, to guard us from our enemies, to provide for us a way to be reunited with God our Father and to lead us into eternal salvation. Jesus comes to be the good shepherd. We know this, from again, from Micah, Chapter 5, in the same prophecy, it talks about where Jesus, the Messiah, will be born. Two verses later, it says this in verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and he shall dwell secure from now. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The Messiah who is coming, the promised one, is going to be a shepherd. Jesus This news, the good news of this coming Messiah is revealed to these shepherds because that's exactly what Jesus is going to be for them. He has come to be their shepherd, the shepherd of shepherds, the great shepherd. But even more interesting is the connection as to who these shepherds are guarding. The shepherds are guarding sheep. The sheep in Israel were were relatively significant in terms of animals. They were sources of food, but they also were very important in the temple sacrifices. And one commentator suggests that the sheep that these shepherds from Bethlehem were shepherding may quite possibly could have been actually sheep that were being raised to be used in the temple for sacrifices. I don't know if that's true, but there is a close proximity to, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, um, it seems like it's a plausible thought. But regardless of whether these sheep particular, in particular are being used in the temple for sacrifices, sheep in general played a very significant role in the sacrificial system of Israel. And Jesus not only came to be the, the good shepherd, but he also came to be the Lamb of God. And so Jesus coming as the promised Messiah, coming to be the great shepherd, comes also to be the Lamb of God who will put an end to the sacrificial system in Jerusalem. Who says, because of Jesus' blood, when it is shed, there is no longer any more need for sacrificing these sheep. The fact that God chooses to reveal this great news to these men who know intimately what it is Jesus has come to do, because they live it every day. They work, they are shepherds themselves, and they care for these sheep who, come to make, who, are, who are supposed to make atonement for their sins. They know intimately what Jesus has come to do. And so Jesus reveals, the Lord reveals this great news to them. And it's so amazing. It's not because of who they are, but it's because of who Jesus is. And what he has come to do. He is the good shepherd. The good news that the shepherd received 
was that the promised one born in the city of David was a savior that they had been waiting for for a very long time. And this brings us to our third point, that Jesus is the last savior. And remember, this passage is about fulfillment of God's promises. And these promises that he has made to his people. And when we look back at the Micah passage, we see that this one who is to be born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem is of old, the ancient of days. This is pointing to, to the preexistent nature of the Messiah who is to come. He's not going to be just anybody. The Savior, the Messiah who has been promised, is one who has been there from before time began. And this means that the only possible thing, option could be, is that the Messiah is the Son of God, the preexistent Son who was there at the beginning, who spoke creation into being, and was there when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. And was who God spoke of when he promised in chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis, that one day the seed of Eve would come and crush the head of Satan. The promised Messiah was was Jesus. And from, from before time began, he's always been the one who would come. The one who would come to save his people. Now, Israel has had a lot of saviors in their history. From this up to this point, you think about it, there are many people who could be classified as saviors. Moses, he saved the people as he brought them out of Egypt. God also saved his people. And Moses was not doing that by himself, but God used Moses as a savior to bring the people out of Egypt and out of slavery. God used David to save his people from the Philistines and to defeat their enemies and bring peace to the land. God even used a pagan king, Cyrus, the Persian, to save his people from exile. He is the one who decreed that the the Israelites should go back to where they came from and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, and rebuild the temple. The people of God know what it means to have a Savior, and they've needed many of them. But what the angel is telling the shepherds this night is that this promised one, the Messiah. He's going to be a savior, but he's going to be the last savior they will ever need. And we know this in the, from verse, we go to verse 12. Uh, so, excuse me, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, like I said, a savior is is a term that Israel's had lots of saviors, but they've never had a savior who is, who is Christ the Lord. This title that the angels use about Jesus is very significant. Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, who has come, the promised one who has come, is also the Lord. None of these previous saviors bore this title. And this is how the shepherds were to know that the one who was to come was to be their last Savior. He was to be a different kind of Savior. All of the Saviors that, they've had, that Israel has had throughout its history, they were used by God in great ways to do great and amazing things. But none of them were going to do what Jesus came to do. 
And that was to save his people from his sin, from their sins. None of them can do that because they were sinners as well. Only the Son of God, only the Messiah, only the true King of Israel could come and save his people from their sins. And so when the angels appear to these shepherds in glory, in this amazing shining light, and they tell these shepherds, your promised Messiah has come. He's going to be the one you have been waiting for. They know exactly who they're, t- they're talking about. And they believe. And this brings me to our, to our close, and I want to close on this point. Is that, is the shepherd's response to the angel's message. In verse 15... The shepherds do something really pretty great, I think. It's just, when the angels went away, went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They don't say to each other, wait, that didn't really happen, right? Like, I I was just seeing, did you see it? They weren't. Guys, this is weird. Maybe we should go and see if this is true. There was no doubt in the shepherd's heart. They heard the message, the good news of the coming of the Savior. And what did they do? They got up and they went to see this thing that they knew had happened. They believed in faith that God was keeping his promises. And they wanted to go and see it. In their, for themselves. They wanted to see it, be eyewitnesses to the beginning of God keeping his promises that he's promised from the very beginning to save his people. This is not just a cool story about something that happened 2,000 years ago. These promises that have been fulfilled are being fulfilled today as Jesus continues to save his people and will con- continue to do so until he returns and makes all things in heaven and on earth right once again. We, like the shepherds and the people of God, at the time of Jesus' birth, long for Christ's return. Advent is about the anticipation of Jesus' coming. As Pastor Terrence said this morning, not just his first coming, but today, even so, his second coming. When we celebrate Advent, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the beginning of God's keeping his promises. And we celebrate with these shepherds as they celebrated at the news, receiving this great news. But we also, like the shepherds today, know what it means to wait and to long for the Savior to come back. We live in a broken world, we live broken lives. We live in broken families and broken relationships. We've experienced broken promises. We know what it means to need a Savior. And we know what it means to long for His return. So we, like the shepherds, with faith, must wait 
and hope with assurance, knowing that God will keep his promises again. That because God has already fulfilled his promise in the coming of his son, Jesus Christ, in this way, we know that he will do so again. Because that is what he does. God keeps his promises. Do you believe that this morning? The shepherds did. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks for you are faithful and you keep your promises even when we cannot keep our own. We are unfaithful and continue to sin. Lord, you continue to love us and forgive us. We thank you for Jesus and for his birth that we get to celebrate this time of year. Lord, work in us hope and faith and trust in your promises that you will continue to fill them and return once again to make all things new. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.